The following program is made possible by the friends and partners of Creation Today. Today's education is leading people away from Christianity, and it's all part of a plan. You see, this plan has been in place for more than 100 years, and it is slowly and steadily working to destroy America from within. During today's show, we want to expose you to this plan in the hopes that your eyes will be opened and your hearts will be moved to share this truth with others. Hey, if you're joining me on the Creation Today show and you're new, I just want you to know we are on a mission to disciple the whole world, one person at a time by turning stumbling blocks that keep people from coming to Christ and seeing him as the creator and the redeemer of mankind into the very stepping stones that pave the way to the cross and the empty tomb and to Jesus Christ who brings life. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Hey, for those of you on uh, social media, YouTube and Facebook, thank you guys for peeking into the Creation Today community for today's conversation. If you're joining me on the television program or through our podcast, welcome. We are a group of people being discipled through weekly conversations to be all that God has called us to be. If you ever want to join us, come on over to creationtoday.org. Hey, to my partners, welcome. Gary, Frederick, Fergie, Brad, uh, Barb, Amber, John, and all the rest of you that are on here. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me today. Uh, this is going to be a great conversation. You are going to, I'm telling you guys, I'm excited for you. You're going to love today's guests. Uh, I was actually introduced to him through a program on Fox Nation by Pete Higseth. And David Goodwin was the other gentleman who did this program. Uh, my wife and I had attended a premiere of this new show called The Miseducation of America. And I found myself absolutely floored by what I was hearing about our education system and the plan that had been put in place to usurp it. And I particularly loved the input of a, if I remember correctly, a suspender-wearing, bow-tie-touting guest who spoke with incredibly incredible energy, incredible passion, and deep insights. He is an English professor at Houston Christian University, and he's here today to discuss what's going on in American education. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest today, Dr. Louis Marcos. Dr. Marcos, you out there? I'm here. Hey, welcome to the Creation Today Show, sir. Good to be on. This is an important topic, and I'm glad to be here to talk about it. Well, you have authored a number, is it 13, 14 book? Where are you at now? Actually, I'm up to, I'm up to 25, Eric. I'm busy. And my new book I'm writing is on education. So that hopefully in the next few years. I was actually hoping you would cover it. Your insights on Fox Nation's uh, program were profound. They were deep. They were well, well established. I, I, I really was. I was blown away every time you came on with, with the thoughts that you shared and what they added to it. It's all part of something that Pete was doing, but that's what introduced me to you. And oh my goodness, getting into your mind and getting into to understand what you are educating people with is, is I, I just, I, I want to shout it from the rooftops and tell the whole world. So thank you for using what God has given you and sharing that with other people so well. Um, can, I, because we haven't gotten to hang out, can you kind of give all of us a little bit about 
your background and what got you, uh, how you got so smart and so deep into all this. <laughs> well, my name is Lou Marcos. That's a Greek name. All four of my grandparents were born in Greece and emigrated to America about 1930. So the family's been in America getting close to 100 years now. Uh, I'll tell you something that's funny but true. My relatives are from Sparta, Greece. My name is Louis, but I was named for my grandfather, who is Leonidas. Think of the 300 Spartans. Yeah, so I see the I'm movie. We're <laughs> an Athenian by nature, but I'm a Spartan and a Leonidas, so we're ready to take it down. Now I live in, in Houston, Texas, not far from the Alamo, which is the Thermopylae of America, right? So it's wonderful. So I grew up with Greek mythology and ancient Greece as my mother's milk. And I've always loved the interplay between Athens and Jerusalem, between our Greco-Roman heritage and our Judeo-Christian heritage. Now, as a Greek, I grew up and came to know Jesus in the Greek Orthodox Church, but later during college, God moved me into the evangelical world. I am an expert on C.S. Lewis and my sort of view of the world, very sort of non-denominational, was very, very influenced by C.S. Lewis. Uh, my task is to use stories to educate people, to bring back virtue education, not values clarification, Eric, but real virtue education. And to say it again, I want to bring Athens and Jerusalem together, one of the mottos of my university. I have been at Houston Christian University for 31 years. We were called Houston Baptist. We just changed to Houston Christian to show that we're a little more non-denominational, although we're still very, very much evangelical. Um, and at my school, too, we want to say, what can we learn from the pagan classics? We have the Bible in Christ as our touchstone against which we measure everything. But because we have that touchstone, Eric, we can learn from the great tradition and preserve it and pass it on. You are one of those professors that I would want to sit under, and I haven't had that privilege until now. You, well, you know what, you, Eric? I'll, I'll tell you, that this is something new. I'm teaching a class in the spring on the Victorian age and how they wrestled with all the issues of modernism, industrialism to evolution. And HBU, HCU, we have a new way now where people can audit, or we call it survey the class. If you go on our website, you can actually audit to sit in on my class Mondays from 4 to 6.30. So this is our way of, can we draw people in? And pretty soon I'll be doing Lord of the Rings and Homer Virgil Dante. And so we're hoping to get out the word because we we, we need, uh, one of my mottos, Eric, if you, if you go on my page is, I believe in the professor as public educator. We can't leave everything barricaded in the ivory tower. We need to get out. And just like you know, a preacher is always a preacher, even when he's on an airplane, right? To me, I'm an English professor trying to bring Athens and Jerusalem together wherever I am. Well, I am tempted to ask you why the English language is so messed up uh, in this, but <laughs> I want to, I want I love those uh, Instagram videos or reels where they're, you know, how do you say this word? And then it's add one oh, letter. No, totally. Anyways, don't have time to get into that. I wish we could sit like literally. I wish I, I could just air, air your air your teachings, your lectures as our Creation Today show for the next year and a half because there's so much depth that you get into, and there's so many directions I want to go. Uh, let me start here because I want to get to the education of America because that's really where I want to focus on today's show. Um, but when you were gr growing, I did not grow up hearing and reading Greek mythology and things like this. 
But I do know as an apologist, that's one of the things I hear, and I'm curious how you would give the short answer to this. Oh, Christianity, all it did is copied the the, the Greeks. It copied the Romans. It, it's actually borrowing from them. And you specifically talk about this at length and have written books about this. Can you give us the overview of that before we get into American education? Very quick. I, I published a book recently called The Myth-Made Fact, Reading Greek and Roman Mythology Through Christian Eyes. The phrase myth-made fact comes from C.S. Lewis. All right, C.S. Lewis was an atheist for half his life, but he didn't directly become a Christian. He became a theist, and for about a year and a half, he believed in God, but not Jesus as the Son of God. What was holding him back, Eric? It's because he loved mythology. He read a book called The Golden Bough, which showed a persistent archetype throughout the ancient world that has come to be known as the Corn King. These are stories about dying and rising gods, Osiris, uh, Adonis, Mithras, Balder, uh, uh, what's another one, a Tammuz. And a lot of people today are saying, oh, Christianity just copied all these stories. Well, no, no. Lewis at first thought that Christianity was just the Hebrew version of the corn king myth. And then one day he was taking a walk with his good friend, the believing Catholic J.R.R. Tolkien, author of The Lord of the Rings, and he said, Lewis, did you ever wonder, maybe the reason that Jesus sounds like these myths is because Jesus is the myth that came true. Eric, Jesus fulfilled completely the law and the prophets. He is the Jewish Messiah, but he is also the Savior of the world. If Jesus came in and the gospel story spoke to Jews, but had nothing whatsoever to say to the 99% of Gentiles in the world, it would seem as if a foreign god had invaded humanity. But in fact, Jesus not only fulfills the law and prophets, he fulfills the highest yearnings of the pagan people. We are all made in God's image, and through general revelation, the ancient people yearned. They understood the need for Emmanuel, God with us. They did not understand sin, per se, because they didn't have a holy God to measure it, but they understood taboo guilt, they understand ritual uncleanness, and they came up with these stories that are really desires. And Jesus fulfilled those desires. He is the true God who came to earth, became a man, died, and rose again. Yes, Jesus is. I wrote that down. Jesus is the myth come true. He is the fulfillment of the prophecies. I mean, all secular and, and Jewish history points to Christ, which is fascinating. This is why we, and people try to do away with it, why we date things B.C. and A.D. Jesus' first coming is the hinge of history. Everything before it and everything after it is leading up to the second coming of Christ. And just to kind of put it in the capsule again, if Jesus came into the world and nothing he did or said had any connection to paganism, it would be a stumbling block. But again, in fact, he fulfills their deepest and highest yearnings that we get in their myths, in their epics, in their tragedies, the things that are part of a classical Christian education. Wow. Well, speaking of classical Christian education, part of what you, the, the, the series Miseducation of America that you were a part of, tackles and goes through what happened to American education and how there was a plan literally for over 100 years that's been implemented to destroy America from within, I, can I play student again and just say, okay, Doc, 
teach away what 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 happened where did it what were some of the key steps i mean you got to hit the pledge of allegiance as well that was mind-boggling to me but can you take us through what's happened in america with the education system let's talk about it and eric you know we all need to learn things okay when they asked me to go on the program i knew of course all about ancient greece and rome all these things but i learned a lot of things through the research i did to get ready for this okay if you're like me most of you think the progressive takeover of education the secular humanist progressive takeover of education started in the 1960s and 70s no it actually started in the 1860s and 70s, this blew my mind. A lot of people think that it all started when they took the Bible out of school about 1970. That's not the beginning of the takeover, Eric. That was their triumph that they've been working on for 100 years. This goes back to really like the 1870s with people like Horace Mann and, of course, John Dewey, and they are presenting a secular education. Now, just to be fair to them, because we want to be fair, they are trying to do something right. This is a new America with lots of new immigrants. We need a public education that can educate them and make them Americans. So they did ask some of the right questions. I want to be fair. But what they did is remove us from our Judeo-Christian roots. And even to a certain extent, they started removing us from the Greco-Roman. And what they were trying to do was basically come up with a secular religion for America. And this blew my mind, Eric. I know it blew your mind when you watched the series, The Pledge of Allegiance. Now, a lot of Christians have been fighting to keep one nation under God. But guess what? The original pledge did not have under God in it. That was added by Eisenhower, who was in the midst of a Cold War fighting the godless communists. And by the way, I'm not making a slur. That's just literally true. They are godless communists, okay? They're atheists. That's literally true. And trying to show how America is different. But the original Pledge of Allegiance did not have the under God in it because it was a sort of secular creed. And scary enough, the original way the kids would say it is with their hands out like that. Yes! And of course, after Hitler and the Nazis, they kind of moved away from that, okay? But it was a secular creed with the flag as a new icon. Now, why is this so important? Because, Eric, like you, like me, like most of your listeners, I'm a conservative Christian, I'm a patriotic American, all that sort of stuff, and there's nothing wrong with patriotism. But we need to understand that for a long time that patriotism has been used as a sort of surrogate religion. And what makes me angry, I don't usually get angry, but I'm angry, is what they've done is once they won, they were never really patriotic, okay? Uh, all they care about maybe is some global world and a great reset, maybe. But as soon as they won, they were able to say, okay, you conservatives, you can have the patriotic scraps, okay? Now, wow. the answer is not to do away with patriots. You know, Pete Hegseth, very patriotic guy, a military guy. and But the thing is, is to be careful, we don't let the flag take the place of the cross of the Bible. We should be, you know, God put us in this world. And there's been a lot of great podcasts, Eric, reminding us that Jesus was was a Jew who was parochial, right? In other words, he had an identity. He wasn't a man of the world, right? He was, he was, he knew who he was and he died and in many ways resurrected as that person. So we do not want to throw off our local and, and national identity. 
But we have to remember that that does not take the place of Christ and our religion and of the essential elements of that for educating and raising up virtuous, morally self-regulating citizens. When we stop doing that, and we are stopping doing it, we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, to me, blew my mind when I realized part of the plan to get us off of a Christian foundation was uh, to, to actually, you, had, you couldn't just take Christianity away. You had to replace it with something. And so replacing Christianity with a, a, a patriotism in place of Christianity, that's where it went wrong. Rather than saying Christianity is still the heart and patriotism is a result of a good Christian nation, they just took Christianity out and put patriotism. Is that a good way of kind of saying what they were trying to accomplish by, by removing one and putting patriotism in its place rather than keeping it in the right right spot? Right. And that's it. You know, when, 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 uh, secondary things are made primary things, everything gets messed up, right? And another way to put this really quickly that I talk about in a lot of my speeches is I used to think for a long time that the problem with public education is that they had thrown virtue out. Now, it took a long time to realize that that's not exactly the case. If they had really got rid of all virtue, then we would have recognized the moral vacuum and sought it out. What they did, whether they meant to do it or not, is they remove the traditional virtues, not only the Christian ones, but the classical ones too. They remove those and replace them with values, things like diversity, equity, inclusion, environmentalism, multiculturalism, tolerance, right? Okay, I'm not saying that these things are necessarily evil, but they have never been at the center of virtue. They are pseudo-virtues. They are not positive virtues. They are negative virtues. See, if they meant by tolerance and inclusiveness, Merrick, if they meant treating every person with respect because we are made in the image of God and therefore have innate and essential dignity and worth, if that's what they meant, that's Christianity. It's not what they mean. It means I'll overlook your sin if you overlook my sin. If by multiculturalism they meant respecting all different cultures, I'd be for that. At Houston uh, Christian University, we have people from all over the world, including other religions. They come, we give them the tradition, we hold up credit. It's wonderful. But that's not what they mean. What they mean by multiculturalism is Western civilization is evil. Let's get rid of it. And you know what? They don't really respect, say, Hispanic civilization because when they meet a real Latino who cares about God, family, and hard work, they want nothing to do with them either. And the proof that they have no respect for Latino culture is their number one goal is to force them to call themselves Latinx rather than Latino. So let's understand your great uh, governor over there in Florida. There's somebody who respects and understands real Latinos. And I hope we'll be our president someday. I, although I need to steal uh, a boy from you. Amen. Okay. I would love that. I steal we are, from you. Uh, we're blessed. You're blessed to be in Texas. We're definitely blessed to be in Florida. No yeah, doubt we're, we're the two it. best places. It's amazing. <laughs> and that's why people are flying. You would Okay, so that's the other thing that, that, that I want to ask you as we talk about this is you just look at what's happening. You look at what's happened in Florida through, and Texas through the pandemic. You look at the people flocking to the freedom. You, you look at how the Christian worldview is true and, and it's, uh, it works. It's not just something that's ethereal. It's, it's practically true. You look at 
like the law of gravity. You you break it, you pay the consequences. And, and it's like, guys, just go ahead and break his rules and you'll pay the con. It's like, it's true. What? Why? Why isn't it holding up? Why are, are so many people, and I guess this could go a lot of different directions, but why isn't it? Why, why do we feel like we're losing ground? What? It's amazing. What do you think well, there? The, the, the first book that everybody should read, you got Battle of the American Mind. You want to read that. You want to read Bodie Bachum's uh, Fault Lines and Critical Race yes. Theory. But a very important book, Carl Truman, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. He's, pub he's published a little bit easier version of it called A Strange New World, I think it's called. Uh, Carl Truman, he's over at uh, Grove City. And what he's showing is the growth and triumph of this sort of autonomous self. This idea that I am an individual, expressive, autonomous, autonomous means a law unto myself, autonomous individual that don't need anyone else. I determine everything, right? This, this, this is this idea that if I'm no longer fulfilled in my marriage, I just walk away. It'll make a difference. Who cares about vows and things like that? I just walk away, right? And what's happening is that even Christians, even we as Christians are falling into this black hole where we put ourselves first and our profit first, and we're not thinking about human things. Look, what got me so mad, you remember when Hillary Clinton said, it takes a village to raise a family? Well, you know what? If she meant that in the real African meaning, I would be okay with that. It does indeed take family structures and churches. Of course, what she meant is it takes the federal government to raise a child. I mean, if she really meant what she said, that's a very Christian ideal. It comes from a lot of African Christians. Uh, understanding that, but we have become so cut off from one another. Also, here's the thing that nobody wants to talk about. The reason people don't like the Christian worldview, and sometimes we as Christians want to resist it, is because of one word, accountability, and none of us want to be accountable to anything, right? And so we need to be careful. That's why we need a reformation in our own churches and schools. We need to be accountable, right? There's nothing worse than than parents who have their kids in a great classical Christian school that's giving them virtue, giving all that sort of stuff. And then they said, oh, we better put them in a secular high school so they'll get in an Ivy League college. Excuse me, why do you want your kids to go to an Ivy League college? So they can completely destroy everything you spend your whole life doing? Let's stop thinking the way the world thinks and let's focus on this. There's my school, there's Grove City, there's Hillsdale, there's Patrick Henry. There are so many good schools out there that are going to keep your children, not, we're, we're not going to blind them. That's only Christian. They're going to learn the pagan classics. In fact, they're going to learn them better than they would in a secular liberal school because we respect our tradition and our ancestors and understand that for ordered liberty and, uh, what's the phrase I want, uh, a deliberative representational democracy, for those things to live, you need citizens who are moral, ethical creatures who can think and reason and discern, not just a bunch of facts, not just a bunch of do's and don'ts. And in some ways, the progressive people who keep throwing at them tolerance, it's almost as bad as the old-fashioned school that all they want is rules and regulations. What we need to teach our students is virtue, and we embody virtue through stories, through the great books. We raise them up in there. What was Solomon's wisdom, Eric? Solomon wasn't a rocket scientist. His wisdom came because he had discernment. He could discern between good and evil, right and wrong, virtue and vice. And that's what a true classical Christian 
or let's use its old phrase, liberal arts. That's what a true liberal arts education is about, shaping the character. There's this word that is used again and again in the series they're talking about, the Miseducation of America. That word is paideia. Now, in modern Greek, paideia just means children. Paideia, like pediatrics. Paideia means education, but it means also enculturation. It is raising up a child in the way that he is to go. When it says in the Bible, no discipline is pleasant at the time, but it leads to virtue, the word for discipline there is paideia, right? We, when it says that the Bible is sufficient for teaching and training, the word training there is paideia. So it, it is the education of the full person, the full child, if you will, of, of growing in virtue. That's what paideia is. It is the way you pass down your legacy and your the book I'm writing right now, I'm calling it uh, "Passing Down the Torch: How to Educate the Next Generation." Because that's what the word tradition, traditio, means to hand down or to pass down. That's our role as educators, not to create a bunch of lobbyists and people that are angry about whatever's fashionable. Right? By the way, it's also not about training them not to smoke. I think smoking is terrible, but that's not to be all and end all of virtue. The virtue is getting them aligned with God's word, even with the cosmos, because God's balance and harmony is written into nature, it's written into the cosmos, it's written into us. That's what we're bringing them in alignment with, not just putting a padlock in the refrigerator. Okay? That's a big answer. How, how many of you are ready to sign up for his class right now? Please I am go. ready. Mondays from four to six or whatever time that was. Yep, I'm like, I'm ready, man. This, this is live awesome. Soon. <laughs> oh my goodness mary joe's like sign me up joe says harry says yep amanda says i'm in pk says yep i was thinking the same thing sign me up so oh my goodness okay so when i think about i got so many places i want to go with you on this and we don't have much time when i think about who's to blame what's going on christianity is true who's to blame i know a lot of times we want to point to we can point to education. We can point to parenting. We can point to churches and pastors not doing their job. We can point to uh, uh, schools not doing their way. We try to blame everybody, but I, I guess one thing I want my listeners to understand is ultimately God's holding you accountable. The world yes. loves to shift the blame everywhere. God says it is your job. You're being exposed to truth right now. What are you going to do with it? You, you've got you've got God's word as truth. What yep. are you going to do with it? God is going to hold you accountable and he's not going to accept, well, the education system, well, my parents, hey, if you're a young person and you're watching this, I'm just telling you, you're going to be accountable to God. Mom and dad don't get to hold your hand on judgment day while you explain no. why they did a bad job. God is holding you personally accountable and I, you need to take, that is, a, that is a virtue more than a value that you need to hold yes. dear to your heart um, and, and understand you listed several books there. I've only read a couple. I, I and it's it's part of this book, Battle of the, of the American Mind, that exposed me to all this, where um, they're responding to uh, it's Howard Zinn, right? Howard Zinn, who really shaped kind of the the rewriting of history, so to speak, and shaped some really bad things in education. But he says, "Hey, we we were warned," uh, and then it goes on there on on a list of books that have warned us of what's happening in America and what's going on. 
Uh, Alan Bloom said that Americans were closing their minds in 1987. C.S. Lewis said that we were abolishing man by removing virtue from our schools in 1944. Uh, Richard Weaver told us that these bad ideas should have will have consequences. Uh, and he goes on, Rudolph, I haven't read these guys, Rudolph Flesh, uh, Johnny Can't Read, Mark Knowles said that evangelicals had lost their minds. Neil Postman, that's the one I did read, said we were amusing ourselves to death. Anyway, he just goes, Francis Schaefer and... I go, well, I, I, Dr. Marcos, you are one of these voices. Dr. Marcos is warning us of what is, what we're missing. I, I got to let social media go, but, and this is, I'm asking you to do what you teach for a living in one minute. Why, why do we need to go back when you, when you say we teach the, the, the pagan mythology? I never grew up reading that other than, you know, I went to Pensacola Christian Academy, got a great education, Christian education. I didn't read a lot of the, well, I didn't read what I was supposed to read anyway, let's just face it, okay, but uh, what they assigned me to read. But um, I don't remember reading a lot of the classics in that way and discussing them. We did read lots of stories and had lots of things that we read and discussed through the Abeka book program. Um, but I love the classical education that you're a part of because it pushes that. But give us... Sorry, 60 seconds. Here, okay, here, here, here's the problem in a nutshell. Okay, look, I am very, very appreciative of the fundamentalists 100 years ago who fought against Darwinism. And we still need to fight against Darwinism. But those brave and you know strong Christians made a categorical error. They decided we're going to fight for the Bible on your secular humanist grounds. We accepted their idea that if something is not scientific and logical in the modern sense of the word, it's not true. Now, I believe the Bible has a lot to tell us about science, but it's not a science textbook and everyone was meant to be. We have got to stop fighting on their ground. We made the same mistake in Battle for the American Mind. is very brave saying this. There are a lot of great Christian schools out there that they are well-meaning, they're working hard, they're, they're, they're giving of themselves, but they don't realize that they're not changing the pedagogy. Basically, they're offering a modern secular education with chapel. We need to rethink it all and stop being controlled by the social sciences, which are completely secular humanists. There are good believing social scientists, but the, the study itself is completely undergirded by secular humanists, I mean, even anti-Christian sometimes. We need to take back education. We do it sometimes with homeschooling. We do it with classical Christian schools. There are what are called public uh, charter schools. Now, it's a little bit scary because it's still statewide, but that's a good place to start. They're called uh, classical charter schools. My daughter teaches at a classical charter. My son teaches at a classical Christian, so we're very much part of this. We, we've got to do everything we can, but we, we starts in the home. It starts with the conversations we have at our general table, uh, Eric, what we instill in our children. And look, okay, if we get if we want to know why our children listen to crap on the radio, then we have to ask ourselves, what did we listen to? If I, as a parent, only listen to what's on the radio and have no musical discernment whatsoever, then what do I expect from my kids? If I don't show my kids the value of listening to good and uplifting music, whether it's classical or pop, if I don't show them the importance of ideas and thinking and worldviews, what are they going to do? So it begins with educating ourselves, with dedicating ourselves. Even if we don't homeschool, that's not for everybody. We need to be involved in the paideia, the nurturing and training of our students 
but we need to do it not in a negative way, don't do this, but in a positive way. The best way to fight the phony values is to make the real virtues so good and true and beautiful, they will they will see right through the nonsense. Wow. What are you, I've always thought that. I've always thought when people really see the truth, unless, like Roman says, they, they willingly suppress it, the truth just shines through the lies, and people go, no, that's... That's the truth. That, 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 it's right there. So learn the truth, teach the truth, emulate the truth, be the truth. And ultimately, you need to, in order to do that, you need to have the truth. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you don't have Jesus Christ, you're not going to get there. You can get a lot of truth, but you need to have the truth. Oh, man. Hey, friends, truth if you're watching, and, and you, know, you don't every night sing to yourself, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's not only uh, advice for spiritual growth, but for education. Look on those things which are good and true and beautiful, and the rest of it will grow dim, and you'll see through the shamness of it all. Wow. Oh, hey, social media, I've got to let you go. I'm so sorry. I wish you could join me for the last half of this conversation. If you want to be part of the last half and every conversation we get to have with incredible guests like Dr. Marcos here, come on over to creationtoday.org, partner with us to reach the world, and you get access to everything we do past, present, and future. We'd love to have you uh, on our team helping us do what we want to do. Uh, for my partners here, I can see your comments. You guys are loving this as well as I. Uh, it's it's giving me, Dr. Marcos, a passion to uh, to instruct others. Um, for my social media out there, before I let you go, uh, next week, I've got kind of a surprise, but it's not for the public. It's only for our partners. Uh, we went over to the Institute for Creation Research, and we filmed a, 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 a new movie that we are in the process of editing right now uh, called Night at the Discovery Center. It's a continuation of the... Night at the Creation Museum, Night at the Ark Encounter. Now we've got a new movie, Night at the Discovery Center. And we want to give you guys a little behind the scenes of Night at the Discovery Center next week. So that's for partners only. Can't wait for you guys to hang out. But social media, if you want to become a partner, come on over and you'll get to experience that as well. And we've already got some amazing shows lined up uh, starting in the new year, 2023. God willing, we'll be talking about, we'll be talking about Narnia. We'll be talking about some of these things and, and, and bringing this back together with another apologist friend of mine, uh, who wrote his dissertation on it, um, uh, talking about how do we study the Bible at the beginning of a new year. Uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, this is going to be uh, a challenge for my old earth friends, the roots of old earth thinking. Why Why did people even develop old earth ideas? And that's going to be a real challenge when you see where it truly comes from. And that actually ties into exactly what we're talking about here, because that was about 160 years ago that came about. So anyway, some great stuff coming up. Can't wait for that. Hope you guys will join me over there. God bless you guys. Merry Christmas if I don't see you on the Creation Today side. Can't wait to uh, hang out with you again in the new year.